Welcome to the Vince Vonathon. My name is Patrick. My name is Taylor. And I have a question for you, Taylor. What is it, Patrick? Today's movie is Hacksaw Ridge, uh, featuring Vince Vaughn, but really starring Andrew Garfield, where he plays a real-life person named Desmond Doss. Can you can you name rather Andrew Garfield's other film role, where he plays a character whose name features alliteration? No. <laughs> I don't think I've seen him in anything else. That's not true at all. I, I Angels in America, Part One. Okay, he does. Okay, um, very notable superhero that he played. Spider Man. Mm-hmm. That's not alliteration. What's Spider Man's real name? Can you give me a letter? P. Peter Parker. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. That was fun. Um, it wasn't. I have a I have a fun story that's also not funny um, to share. So last week on this episode, or not on this episode, rather, um, that was literally stupid to say. Um, last on last week's episode, I went. I ain't feeling too hot. <laughs> it's not COVID though. The narrator comes in. It was COVID. Yeah, COVID uh, went through our household. So we've uh, we've had some time for some movies, basically, um, and yet we still saved watching Hacksaw Ridge for like, you know, as late as we possibly could, mainly because the movie is two and a half hours long. But also because, despite COVID, we've been kind of busy. Patrick, what have we been busy with? It was un- uh, unfortunate timing that the same time that COVID hit our house, we also had to go pick up our new puppy. Did we talk about the puppy last week? We teased that there was a Y2 Kids episode where we talked about it, so we can gush on here a little bit. Okay, if you're if you're not listening to Y2 Kids, um, why not? Um, there's more of us over there. Um, same amount of time every week for free. Futurebrewsstationvideo.com, everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Um, uh, we announced that we're getting a new puppy. His name's Santino Pacino, uh, or as we call him, Sonny, obviously named after um, the Godfather character. Um, and so we've been dealing with sickness and uh and quarantine and time off of work while also trying to juggle um a brand new puppy who we've only had for a little bit of time however he's very chill and he likes watching movies and he likes napping during movies i like doing those things as well so we're getting along great um and he was a real trooper putting up with all the bombs and explosions of hacksaw ridge yeah, he can't he can't handle a skateboard going past, but he's fine when people get blown up. Um, Patrick's right; he's awesome. I I I'm not biased in saying this, but he is the cutest dog in the world, and he is the goodest boy in the world. Uh, that said, he is still a puppy, so if at any point you hear me utter the words "good boy" or "no" or "uh uh-uh, uh," then um, I am probably not speaking to you listening to this. I am probably speaking to Santino. But if if the shoe fits, then I don't know. He, uh, he has to hang out in the room with us as we record because he can't be trusted on his own just yet. So, um, yeah, he, he'll be here and he'll, he's going to be here for uh, all the recordings to come, most likely. So, um, just a heads up. He also looks a lot like Andrew Garfield in today's movie. If you didn't see that tweet over at, at Vonathon on Twitter, um, Andrew Garfield looks and sort of acts just like our new puppy. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Hacksaw Ridge. We're, of course, on this show watching every single Vince Vaughn movie. We've gotten through the comedy era. We are in the more dramatic turn era now. And uh, this is a, a, a very heavily featured role in this film. Obviously, it's Andrew Garfield's movie, um, but he, um, he's he got um, plenty to do here. Uh, initial thoughts on Hacksaw Ridge. Goofier than I imagined? Is that horrible to say? There's some goofy dialogue. Yeah, you know, well, okay. I guess we should talk a little bit about, uh, I always get so worried about, plot synopsis after like our third episode where we all we did was run through the plot of the movie um hexar ridge is about um uh it's a real life story about a man named desmond doss who was a conscientious objector during world war ii but still signed up because he felt like um it was part of his duty and part of god's plan for him to help with the war however he also um uh, agreed with the commandment thou shalt not kill and um would not fight in the war he would not kill he would not carry a gun but he wanted to join to be a medic to help um help his fellow americans so the film follows andrew garfield as desmond doss as he uh joins uh the war he gets a lot of shit for not wanting to carry a gun it's like an hour of the movie and then um he eventually of course gets to um you know go on the front lines save people's lives and the big thing that happened, that this happens in real life and happens in the movie, is that Desmond Doss saved 75 people at a place called Hacksaw Ridge when, you know, the, everybody else sort of gave up on them and left them behind. He uh, single-handedly saved all these people. And just like Vince says on the hour-long making of documentary on the Blu-ray, the story is so unbelievable in real life you almost can't believe that this guy did this real thing that when they make this movie it already kind of seems ridiculous and, and unrealistic and you know even though these things happen of course you know movies they they uh uh you know um have a complicated relationship with the truth mel gibson movies definitely have a complicated relationship with the truth um often um it is a ridiculous sort of thing. It's it's amazing, and it's it. I mean, it's one of the most heroic things I think I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, the guys, you know, got balls of steel, but it is it is kind of insane. And so when Taylor says like, it's kind of goofy. I mean, it is. It's 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 an hour of Andrew Garfield single handedly running through this battlefield, saving people one by one. You know, in the midst of all these giant explosions and all this kind of stuff. That's of course. The second hour of the film, the first hour being all the stuff with him falling in love with his wife, joining the war, and a whole bunch of stuff about him uh, sort of legally being a conscientious objector. So, like, it's, it's although it's all true in its Hollywood kind of way, it is just, it's, it's almost impossible to believe. And if it weren't true, you know, it would be impossible to believe, right? And so, um, they really, they really tone up the. Uh, I don't want to say propaganda, but it's also Mel Gibson movie, so I'm kind of going to say propaganda. Um, I mean, this is a very uh, go America go movie. Um, it's a very religious film. Obviously, we do not need to get into Mel Gibson's relationship with his faith and how he has decided to use that in his cinema, right? Um, that that can be a conversation that that you can 
have another time on your own without us. Um, but this is a very, um, it's, it's a very raw, raw kind of movie. And I would imagine Taylor, to your point, that's what kind of makes it a little silly, a little over the top at times. Yeah. I also think it's just like, you know, the first hour of the movie where he's a little boy obviously not actually Andrew Garfield but Desmond Doss is a little boy the dialogue is just written kind of goofy and then Andrew Garfield takes it to like 1000 in his like really funny southern accent even though he's a British man and he's I don't know Andrew Garfield's just kind of goofy like he kind of looks like a turtle he's just kind of goofy this is the third in the past week the third British accent accented person doing a ridiculous southern accent that I've seen um bones and all knives out and now this and it is getting to be a little much (laughs) Um, yeah, I, it, it's pretty funny, but like his, his relationship with his wife and like, I'm sorry, I, I have one more thing to say about the accent. He's from Lynchburg, Virginia, which is like, you not know, Andrew Garfield, the character, the character, right. Is, uh, 45 minutes, an hour away from where I grew up. And obviously this is like 1940s Lynchburg and, and not, you know, the Lynchburg that I grew up in, um, which thanks to Liberty university has become much more of a city than it was for a long time. But, I mean, he has got the most southern hick, ridiculous... And, I like, I do not hear that kind of stuff, or, uh, you know, uh, around my neck of the woods. Yeah, I'm thinking about, like, your grandma, who was alive in that area in the 1940s, and I go, like, what? <laughs> um, now, that being said, like, sometimes accents are just kind of funky, you know? Sometimes accents are not always true to your region for many reasons. I dated a guy who went, his mom went to high school with my mom. They grew up 10 minutes from each other. My mom doesn't have an ounce of a Southern accent. And when I met his mom for the first time, even though she grew up 10 minutes from my mom and went to high school with my mom, she sounds like she is from like deep Texas. And I was always like, you're not, you can't be from here. And she was like, no, I am. I mean, I don't know. You want a slice of pie? And I'd just be like, what? Like, how did you grow up here? Um, but, you know, like, accents are funny. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it is It is just kind of a little much. Um, and also, like, just the writing is really funny. Like, he says this really atrociously corny thing to his wife at one point that's like laughable where he donates blood as a reason to talk to her and then he goes back and is like i want my blood back (laughs) and then she's like well i can't do that and then he's just like well ever since you uh, took it my heart's been skipping a beat and it's just like (laughs) jesus christ like it's just laughable and he's doing it in his little turtly way um like you i feel like you could just hear him like Andrew Garfield and all earnestly go like I like toitles like and I it would be like yeah that makes sense like that checks out um don't get me wrong I'm not shitting on Andrew Garfield like I like Andrew Garfield I just think he's kind of funny I like the word earnesty did I just say that yeah okay (laughs) guys I'm not joking COVID brain is not a joke I thought that people who said they had COVID brain were making it up uh because I'm I don't know a narcissist that can't believe that anything is real unless it happens to me. No, I'm just kidding. But I was just like, ah, COVID brain. Like, I've never experienced that with any sort of sickness. Like, how true is that? No, it's crazy. I, like, feel like I can't string together words to create a sentence a lot of the time. So, like, if if you are listening to this and you're like, 
Taylor, you kind of sound off. It's because my brain is working overtime right now just to make a sentence. But anyways, um, yeah, not to say that I don't like Andrew Garfield. I do like him. Um, he's just kind of a funny guy and they have like an hour of it being like really funny. And I, I don't know if they are playing to the jokes or maybe we just, I guess they're probably not, but you know, I felt it was very funny and very goofy and very silly and very sweet. Um, and then all of a sudden you're like in a totally different world and I feel like I had a hard time letting go of the first hour, if that makes sense. I will without a doubt put Andrew Garfield and his performances in any film in goober territory. Yeah. I think he's just a goober. Goofy goober. And so in the same way that if you've been listening to the show... Um, since the summertime in the same way that I, and we in a way, but I just cannot let it go. I cannot shake it. Fell in love for all the wrong reasons with Austin Butler's performance in Elvis. That's a very goober performance. I love goober performances. Um, they, they, they make me giggle and Taylor can attest that I, (laughs) I, he was a giggling. (laughs) Little giggle meister. I spent a lot of time laughing at this movie, but not, you know, in 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 an earnest way. You know, like it's it always amazes me that I never, um, I never think he's being um, not dishonest. What's the word that I'm looking for? You're asking me, the person who can hardly put together a sentence for a synonym right now. Uh, I I feel the same way. Um, uh, he he's never. Um, I always believe him. I, I don't know how else to put it, right? Like, I never feel like he's he's being ridiculous. He's just kind of silly. He's just- I think he's just kind of a flamboyant person in a way. Not flamboyant in the sense, like, boisterous, but flamboyant in the sense that he's just very unapologetically whatever he is. In Angels in America, he was very unapologetically flamboyant in the sense of, like, how he portrays himself as a gay man. But in this, he's just kind of flamboyantly, like, wholesome and unschooled and goofy. One of the things I like about Goofy Goober performances is, like, to to qualify as one of those, you have to go to 100%. Like, you cannot compromise at all. And um, and he, he doesn't. He never does. I, I saw Angels in America... Um, in New York, he was brilliant. He was brilliant, but Angels at times. Wait, I don't think I realized that you saw him, you saw him in New York. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I knew that we had watched the recording. I couldn't. I I don't know. Angels also at times can be goobery. You know, obviously it's it's it it can be deeply sentimental at other points and, and deeply sad at other points. Um, but it can be silly and. He was really great at the silly, and he's really great at being wholesome and believable and likable. And yeah, he's just really leaning into the goofy goober thing, and that makes it, um, uh, for me at least, an enjoyable watch. Now I know for a lot of people, this film is successful for them because it is a Mel Gibson movie. It falls under that Braveheart, uh, uh, Apocalypto. Uh, Passion of the Christ category of you want to talk about committing, you know, you want to talk about um, giving a hundred percent, 
uh, Vince says in that in that same making of documentary he, that he believes Mel Gibson is one of the greatest directors alive. I'm not so sure about that myself. I don't know if you can uh, only make four movies and be one of the greatest directors alive. Um, oh, really? Night of the Hunter. <laughs> Care to elaborate on that Night of the Hunter? Charles Lawton died a long time ago. Um, I I feel like I don't know. Let, let me let me go on a quick tirade for a second. Yeah, I just want to make abundantly clear nice that though. he has Patrick has literally said about mm, nine thousand times over the course of the past two years since he discovered Night of the Hunter, where every time anything is, I mean, it could be like, hey, that scene is nighttime. Did you know that was the first film he ever directed was Night of the Hunter? I mean, like, it takes nothing to remind, for Patrick to feel the need to remind me that Night of the Hunter was directed by a first-time and only film filmmaker. And I think that your COVID brain is confusing uh, these two points. I mentioned that to say, how can you be that good your first time around? That's crazy. I wish she had made more movies. I don't wish Mel Gibson had made any more movies. I'm good with the amount of Mel Gibson movies that we have. No, no I got you there. Um, here's my quick tirade. I said tirade earlier with, with my COVID brain. Tirade. Okay. William Shakespeare, the greatest dramatist of all time. He wrote a lot, right? In 15, 20 years, he wrote 37 plays, maybe even more. Okay. That, I understand that's all that he did. That is one of the things that makes him the greatest dramatist alive. All right. His output, the fact that he made so many things, they were all brilliant. They've all stood the test of time, right? I don't think that you, as as amazing as Night of the Hunter is, Charles Lawton is not, you know, one of the greatest directors of all time because we'll never know, right? Um, uh, it really bothered me when when um, people were calling Lin Manuel Miranda the next Shakespeare during the Hamilton peak because the guy's written like three things you know that's great they're brilliant he's a very good writer um but i could do without um uh <laughs> just say it taylor uh, guys <laughs> oh my god guys let me see i was three points away from winning in fantasy football this week it came down to one guy and his status just changed from healthy to out. I, this is my seven week win streak is over. Six. Six. My six. This would would have been my seventh week. My six week win streak is over by three points. This is crushing. Okay. Uh, my point, and then I'm wrap it up because we we're supposed to be talking about Vince Vaughn. Um. I think that you need output. I think that you need volume. I think that you need quantity and quality. That is my personal opinion. Okay. And so when Vince was like, uh, Mel Gibson is one of the best to ever do it, it's like, well, yeah, he made four movies that people love a whole lot. Uh, four very Mel Gibson y movies that really scream his opinions and his beliefs and his values, which uh, can be respected at times. They can be also very, very problematic at times, as we've seen. I also just feel like. To me, and I'm not saying that everybody has to agree with this, but, like, for me, I feel like if you're talking about the greatest anything of all time, like, in any artistic capacity, you have to make something... You The, the outfit has to include things that are 
able to be loved and appreciated by everybody. Like, it has to tap into a whole bunch of people. And, like, the Mel Gibson thing ain't really for me. Like, I don't love the preachy. I don't love the uber-religious. I don't love the rah-rah. I don't love the bloody. I don't love, you know? So, like, you know, I'm not saying, oh, well, I don't like Mel Gibson's movie. That means he's a bad director. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, I think it shows real craft to be able to make something so objectively good that everybody is on board with it. Yeah, this movie's like two clicks away from having Kirk Cameron play like the Sam Worthington part. You know, I mean, it is it is it is very close to being um, a a Christian film, which is obviously sort of its own genre of, of movie making, right? Um, in that, in this big Hollywood movie with a bunch of you know, well-known and well-liked people, um, he is really going heavy on the religious stuff, which, to be fair, Desmond Doss did, right? I mean, at the end of the film, um, and I don't think that any of what we said is a spoiler so far because it's like, it's real life. You can't spoil history. Um, then in the film, they show clips of Desmond talking about this experience at Hacksaw Ridge and he says, I, I would I would just pray to God, let me just get one more. Please, God, let me get one more. And then I would get him and I would say, please, God, let me get one more. Please, God, let me get one more. Um, and they, they do that in the film, right? They do that beat by beat in the film. And it is powerful. And it's powerful. It's, it's even more powerful at the end of the film when you know that that's actually what happened. And this guy um, uh, credits everything that he did to his faith and that is beautiful. Um, that is, it gets to be problematic when Mel Gibson is the one doing that because he has made it very clear that he is um, intolerant of other forms of faith. So you are celebrating one form and then in your personal life that, let's be honest, for artists bleeds into your work, um, you are grossly intolerant of that. So it's like... Uh, you know, I feel like there's nothing wrong with Christian movies. There's nothing wrong with any faith movies. There's faith-based artistry. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there. <laughs> I just feel like you can't be a grossly intolerant person of other people's faith. Then it taints your faith-based movie. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I just... <sighs> I agree, you know, and he, it, and religion is not the only thing he's got himself caught up in uh, o over the years. Um, uh, racism, homophobia, right? Um, he's, be he's been a very problematic figure. And one of the things that we don't really touch on in the show, and we've, we've mentioned many times, we don't really feel the need to touch on is, is uh, Vince's political beliefs, right? Um, it is probably, uh, if I had to guess, and I, I, I'm getting a little um, speculation here, and, and I apologize for that because I hate that stuff myself. If I had to guess, I would assume that Vince was not at the top of the list for his part. I bet you there were some names on that list before Vince Vaughn. Um, and I bet you it got down to Vince for various reasons, right? And Vince um, took the part and, and did the role for those same reasons. Does that make sense? 
I guess so. Are you saying that Mel Gibson keeps a running list of people who have similar ideologies? And I don't want to say that Vince has similar ideologies because he's never, ever been that controversial and never been um, even an ounce of that um, just disparaging and openly racist and openly anti-Semitic. Um, to be fair, we would not be doing the show if he was any of those things. Right, right, right. Um, uh, no, I'm saying I think that maybe there are some people on the list who said no because it was directed by Mel Gibson. I understand now. Um, you know, I think that that's fair. I, I think that that's fair. You know, Vince is a pretty off-the-grid guy. He doesn't... We, we joke all the time he has a flip phone. He doesn't use any sort of fo- social media. He doesn't have any uh, sort of uh, uh, press presence, really, in anything. We were really shocked to even see him inter- being interviewed for this making-of documentary. Um, that said, you know, it's not too difficult to figure out people's political affiliations, people's vague ideologies again not saying that Vince is any of those things but um specifically to Mel Gibson but just like it's not it's not rocket scientists rocket science to figure any of this stuff out and yeah I think it's fair to say that um given Mel Gibson's controversies I think that there are kind of two mentalities there are some people which I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this mindset, but there are some people who staunchly believe that people should be able to separate art from artist, and that even though Mel Gibson is XYZ that they may not like, they have to be able to accept projects or do whatever, you know, contribute in whatever way, whether that's watching a movie or being in a movie or whatever, because, you know, they believe in his art. Fair enough. I think the lines get a little blurred in that case because his art is directly influenced by his um, life. Uh, And then there's also the camp of, like, people do like to work with people that are aligned. Doesn't have to be in every way, but just in some way. And so, yeah, I think think it's interesting that Vince Vaughn is in this. That's, That's all I will say. And I think the high praise of Mel Gibson is also an interesting thing because, again... I don't, I don't personally believe that Mel Gibson creates timeless classics that appeal to everyone. That is not my belief. I'm not just saying that because I don't personally love his movies. I'm saying that because I can see the themes of his movies and I don't think that that is going to be, you know, um, beloved by every single person in the world. I don't think that they're classic. I don't think that they, I mean, they're classic in the sense that people adore them, obviously, but I don't think that they are you know, they can be loved. Yeah, universal. Thank you. Um, I don't think that they are universal. And I don't know. I just, I can't remember where I was going with this. I mean, you can, you can decide for yourself whether working with Mel Gibson is, is damning or not, right? I mean, you've got Andrew Garfield in this lead um, playing this very devout Christian. Andrew Garfield, who is a Jewish man, who is working with Mel Gibson, whose most infamous tirade um, is is one of the most sort of uh, uh, amazing, amazing in the, all the bad ways, amazing anti-Semitic rants I've ever heard in my entire life, you know? And 
Infamous. Yeah, there you go. And so, um, you know, but Andrew Garfield made this movie. And, and so um, it's complicated. That's one of the things that we knew that we were going to see on this show were some of these complicated things. In a couple movies, Vince is going to star opposite Mel Gibson um, in, in Dragged Across Concrete. That's just uh, two weeks from now. Um, he's not going away. Um, it's uh, personally for me, I could do without him. I think it's a bit unfortunate. However, Hacksaw Ridge as a work of art, although I do find aspects of it problematic, I do think a lot of it works. Um, I do think uh, its commitment and its and its honesty and its um, it's uh, it's gonna portray this amazing person and it's gonna do it the way that it wants to do it and it's gonna do it with some some really strong aspects behind it and and, and I appreciate that about it. Vince is. Uh, He's like, he's not like a drill sergeant because he also, I don't even know, I, I'm not super familiar with, um, believe it or not, not super familiar with sort of the chain of command here, but um, Vince is, uh, he's a commanding officer over Andrew Garfield, and um, he he's chewing up some scenery in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could say that. Um I feel like, you know, I was telling Patrick this during the film. Maybe this is really controversial. But when, you know, we talk, when, when you're an actor and you talk about motives, you talk about, you know, what do you want out of this scene? And I can't tell you how many, you know, acting teachers I've had yell at me that go like, that's too vague, that's too vague. Well, I don't think it's unfair to say, and I don't think it's too vague to say, that for many of Vince's scenes, his entire objective is, um, like, to live. Like, I don't think that that's unfair to make that assumption. It is, like, literal do or die, moment by moment, am I going to die or am I going to live? I need to keep living. And yes, are there, like, many objectives within that? Like, I need to go make it to this next pocket so that I live, but living is the main objective and when you have stakes that are that high and especially in a graphic 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 movie like this one and the stakes are astronomically high and you are reminded through the graphics over and over and over again I feel like you it's very easy to lose nuance in performance because you yes if if you were being attacked it is fair to say that you might have a lot of emotions running through your head, but fight or flight is a really real thing, and, like, you kind of are able to, you know, in a lot of circumstances, shut off a lot of those emotions to just quite literally survive. So it doesn't lend itself to the most nuanced of Vince performances. You know, we're not seeing those gears turning. We are seeing one gear turning, and that is survive, another moment. Which, don't get me wrong, I think he does that really well. I think he's, you know, he's commanding. I feel like he's really funny in the scenes where he is, um, you know, razzing the guys and making fun of them and, you know, doing the kind of, like, boyish things that 
men in the military often do in like movies and stuff where the drill sergeant comes in and he gives them funny nicknames and he he you know says something about you know their their shoelaces being whatever like you know i'm, I'm thinking <laughs> i love that scene in full metal jacket i was i was just about to say it's just like full metal jacket you know like we have this in like every iconic military movie yeah i mean vince is doing his best early ernie in, in, in terms of his just like drill sergeant yelling i'm gonna make fun of your stupid ears you're short you're goofy looking i'm gonna call you ghoul which was such a funny thing that was a perfect guy to play ghoul um and you know then he turns it off for a little bit when he just screams at andrew garfield about not wanting to have a uh, gun not carry a gun and then yeah the rest of the movie is the hacksaw ridge stuff where he's just screaming you know um and it's the same way that everybody on the planet would do that scene yeah. right um it's just a lot of ah <laughs> you know and and shooting you know there's a moment where i don't think it's really a spoiler here uh maybe it is maybe it is at this point jeez i mean like you sh- you would have seen the movie by now if you cared uh this is deep into the conversation um andrew garfield is is pulling vince out um is one of the guys that he pulls out and saves and as He's sort of pulling him on this, I don't know, mat, blanket kind of thing. He's dragging him. The, um, oh my gosh. Stretcher. It's like the stretcher, but he's just like dragging him. Vince is just firing away, you know, and just screaming at the top of his lungs and and killing um, uh, an an insane amount of of enemy soldiers. Um, The movie also, like, uh, it gives him... A lot of time to kind of mean mug and to just kind of be smart alecky obviously in those early scenes and so he's just he's just leaning into that stuff that he does right things that we like about him um we mentioned last week this is one of the movies that people mention i mean when you go on vince's letterbox page this is the number one movie it's the most popular movie right i mean obviously this is nominated for the academy award for best picture right it makes sense that it's up there you know you think of Vince, most likely you think of The Wedding Crashers and The Breakup and maybe some of these Christmas movies, you know, and Swingers. You, you hit some of those landmarks and then people go, have you gotten a Hacksaw Ridge yet? Right? Um, and, and I like, I see why. And I really see why people like this movie. Like, I liked it because of its um, its commitment and I liked um, how, how earnest it was and how um, sort of honorable it was. I can see why people who... Uh, are able to separate the art from the artist in their own way just think that this movie is you know uh the cat's pajamas it is it is the kind of movie that like grandfathers like you know incredibly violent right this is this is no uh john wayne the longest day right i mean this is um it, it is crazy i mean like in the first two seconds of the hacksaw ridge scene this guy's face gets just like annihilated off of his skull right um it's not like his head explodes it's like his face gets eliminated um it's it's crazy and it's like that for a long time and so um it's it's definitely one of the more severe versions of that grandpa movie but it's a grandpa movie and vince knows that and mel gibson knows that i'm not sure andrew garfield knows that sam worthington knows that um but uh that is its own thing. That is its own genre. And I would say from the grandpa movies that I've seen, this is is one of the better ones. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm totally with you. I had, like, several thoughts, and then I kind of lost my train of thought, but let's see if I can get it back for a second. I, you're, when you were talking about the scene where he's dragging him on the stretcher, you know, something that I was thinking about while you were talking about that, and also while I was watching that scene in the movie, is, who knows? Maybe Desmond Doss has an interview where he says he did exactly that with his real-life counterpart in Vince's, Vince Vaughn's character. I, I don't know that. Biopics can get away with a lot, I think, because 99% of audience members are not historians, and audience members trust that production companies and historians who work for movie, you know, for for production companies and, and film sets that, you know, they trust that they are doing the work needed to tell the story. And yes, of course, we always have a healthy amount of skepticism. We always have a healthy amount of this and that and whatever to, you know, you know, finish out the story. But I feel like for the most part, we trust them. We trust them. And so, Biopics can often get, um, if you embellish a little too much, people don't always know. And so because of the fact that, like, this is already a very faith-based real-life character, and this is already a, you know, a, a, he, he is a real man, Desmond Doss is a real man, who is really, is, who is genuinely Christian, and who genuinely wanted to go rah-rah America, and you just happen to have Mel Gibson, who already creates films for that, you know, kind of person, create a film that is faith-based and rah-rah America. And so it's just kind of like, sometimes I can't help but wonder watching any biopic, like, how much of this is real. It's constantly a question you ask yourself. And I feel like when they get it wrong, you usually hear about it pretty soon after. I, I don't, didn't, you know, follow the press when this movie came out or anything. Um... But yeah, just something to think about. I, I do want to say one more thing before I forget, and that is, I forgot. I literally just forgot. I'm sorry, the, the, the brain fog is so real. I'll, I'll think about it again. I wrote about this recently in my review of uh, Tina, the Tina Turner musical, that I just, I'm amazed how every single uh, musical biography on stage and film, television, whatever, has the same exact story. I mean, it, like down. I mean, like I told Taylor when we were leaving Tina, uh, which you can find my review on futurepresentationvideo.com. Like I could have written that show without knowing a damn thing about her because it is the like uh, discovers music in church, sings in you know, in nightclubs and underground places, gets discovered, rise, 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 drugs, alcohol. Abuse. Uh, abuse, adultery, fall, reinvention, resurgence, the person we know and love today. I mean, they're all, they, every single one does that story. I remember what I was going to say. Can I please say it before I forget again? No. Let me finish my thing now. Uh, sure, go ahead. Um, Vince. <laughs> okay. I'm no. not joking. This is horrible. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really makes for great podcasting. Um, it It is... It is the exact same in every single one, okay? And and I wrote, I, I'm not even sure at this point if these people's stories happen this way. I'm just, I think we just write them that way at this point um, because that's the easiest way to do it. This story has no uh, comparison. There's no um, uh, uh, formula for this, right? This conscientious objector 
this guy without a gun on the battlefield saving people, real life story. This is not a thing that exists. And so um, you kind of, to Taylor's point, have to trust them a little bit more um, because it can't lean back on story structure that, that we are we are all uh, uh, familiar with. Okay, I thought about it and I wrote it down so that I wouldn't forget again. Okay, now I'm going to talk about something else actually. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I just, it's been rough and I didn't want to forget. It's already hard. For, like, I already, like, lose thoughts all the time. Um, the one thing that I wanted to say earlier about uh, Vince Vaughn being in this movie and how, of course, this is quite the character break for him is, and, and Patrick was saying, people go like, oh, have you made it to Wedding Crashers? Oh, have you made it to Hacksaw Ridge? You know, that's, like, the, always a the follow-up question. I can understand how people who saw Vince circumstantially in comedies in the early 2000s, you know, who who went to the theaters and wanted a chill movie and ended up seeing The Wedding Crashers and The Internship and The Dilemma and whatever, saw this movie and went like, what a performance. Like, what an incredible performance. And I agree, it's a good performance. But because Patrick and I have spent so like we didn't pick Vince Vaughn for no reason. We we picked Vince Vaughn because we knew we he had this in him. We picked Vince Vaughn because uh the the rhyme the Vince Vaughnathon. Okay, don't let our secret out. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's obviously where, where the idea started. We we talked about this before. If you've joined the show the show since uh, we we told that story, literally Taylor just said it one day. We brewed on it for a year. We we thought about it. We did our research, right? Um, but yeah, the initial idea was just like, wouldn't that be funny? That's a funny rhyme. Yeah. Um, but I feel, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like I can understand where people are coming from where they go like, oh my God, Hacksaw Ridge is like greatest Vince Vaughn performance of all time. But, you know, not to toot our own horn. So because we've been peeling back the layers of Vince Vaughn like a freaking onion for how many months now? like nine months now um we can understand that like i don't think that this is his greatest performance ever i think it's by far his most against type performance so far objectively i think pretty pretty much lester the mo lester ah that wasn't against his type (laughs) if he did his signature vince vaughn laugh which he did not do in this i think for the first time ever (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but, you know, so, I, like, I, I get where people are coming from. I think it was a very good performance. It was commanding. It was captivating. But, like, I'm ready for more. Like, when it was such a treat when we watched him in, um, uh... The TV show. True Detective. Uh-huh. Thank you. Um, when we watched him in True Detective, again, we were like, those are the wheels that we saw turning. Those are the objectives changing those are the xyz those are the you know acting class 101 whatever um and while this is good i'm ready for more i i really want more nuanced uh performances from them and and i think we're gonna get that soon we are uh the next two i mean assuming the next two uh brawl in cell block 99 and uh dragged across concrete then uh for christmas we're gonna come back and we're gonna do Four Christmases and Fred Claus, but yeah, I mean we're hitting some of the the big sort of dramatic turn films uh, that people know of this era. Arkansas is also included in that, but then we're kind of in the freaky stage, and believe it or not, we are um, almost at the end of this project. We've only got like two more months left. Um, 
all of that upcoming wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you're listening to this right now. Of course, you've already rated it five stars, left us a nice review, uh, subscribed, and in whatever way that means for your podcast app of choice. The place that I recommend listening to the show is FeaturePresentationVideo.com. That's our website. That's the home of everything that we do. This show, Why Two Kids, our other podcast where we talk about uh, pop culture, film, television, snacks, music, whatever else um, uh, of the late 90s and early 2000s from our childhood that comes out every week as well. We have another podcast, Future Presentations, sort of the flagship podcast of our network where we just talk about whatever we want to talk about on that show. So we've got um, uh, lots coming up. Obviously, December uh, brings a lot of uh, interesting Vince Vaughn stuff along with some of the Christmas stuff, different types of Christmas stuff on the website, on Y2Kids. We're doing a bunch of Christmas stuff. And so um, I'd recommend going over there, putting your email address in. We're going to send you everything that we do for free. We put out stuff five days a week, uh, written reviews, columns, list suggestions, recommendations, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Taylor's even going to start her own sort of monthly column on the site soon. So if you like Taylor's uh, ramblings and her, her COVID brain, um, you can find that in print form uh, more often than you see now on the website, which I'm very excited for because you are an excellent writer. Thank you. I, I would hope that my COVID brain is uh, refined on in, through the written word, uh, which it cannot be while it's coming out of my brain. Um, so hopefully it's not too COVID brainy. I, I, I would hope as my editor you would edit that out. I'll do my best. All right, that's all I can ask for. You can find me if the writing on the blog is not enough. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Mailer Talone, and you can find me on Letterboxd at Taylor Malone. She'll be uh, tweeting a lot about Hugh Grant in Love Actually and Jude Law in The Holiday over the next month, so if that's your jam, definitely go follow her. I'm Patrick J. Regal, everywhere you find people online. The show is at Vonathon on Twitter and at Vince Vonathon on Instagram. But of course, the main hub, futurepresentationvideo.com. Put your email address in and we will send you everything that we do. And you can find Santino Pacino Regal at uh, our apartment. He's adorable. <laughs> He's very cute. You can see him on our Twitter. He looks just like Andrew Garfield in Hacksaw Ridge and acts like him, too. You can't convince us otherwise. Next week, Brawl in Cell Block 99. We will see you guys then. See you then.